Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are finishing up 2 Corinthians today, and we are going to find all about the uh, Super Apostles, find out about the Super Apostles, as well as talking about some uh, generosity issues. So let's jump right in today since we have a lot to cover, and I, I think we'll just wrap up 2 Corinthians today. So there's always so much to do, but we'll do that. Let's go over quickly, I think, a way to structure the book, just in my mind. And that was, we did the history, did the context, so go back and listen to First and 2 Corinthians, the all about sections. However, when you look at this book, remember this is this letter, probably his third letter, and there was a visit in between. Remember, he's reconciling. So that's really the topic of the chapters one through seven, that Paul is reconciling with the Corinthians, the, the church that he founded. And there have been some tough things going on. And so he is, there's a lot going on there. We talked about chapter one, just love chapter one, the God of comfort. Talking about the Father being the God of comfort and and how the role of, of Christ and the Holy Ghost help us there. Great insights, really. Um, I, I really spent a lot of time there. And then we went on to chapter three and talked about unveiling our hearts, that this, this glory of God, this holiness that's out there for us as saints, um, we have to be ready for it. And part of it isn't our minds, but is our hearts that we have to unveil. So he continues on in uh, really eight and nine, and then, and that's where we're going to see this this issue of generosity. One of the things that Paul's going to talk about is this changing of our hearts. And one of the things that keeps coming up is that the Corinthians are keep questioning kind of Paul's credentials. And they seem to misunderstand how the gospel changes us from inside, makes us a new creature, it makes us different. And he. Uh, historically, let me tell you what's happening, and then you'll see how this ties into this changing of our hearts that continues on. So just very prosaically, what was going on is there was a big famine in Jerusalem. And so the saints in Jerusalem are suffering, and, and they don't have enough food or, or anything, actually. So he had uh, Paul had gone around and told the different uh, groups, the other churches, the Gentile churches, that, hey, we're going to come back around, and I want you guys to save up, and we're going to give this gift. We're going to send this, this gift of generosity back to the Jerusalem saints. These are still Christians, but because of the famine, we're going to help them out. One thing to remember is that Paul is Paul is so such an interesting character to me because, remember, he's like a super Jew, right? He was like a Pharisee. He's like a Bible expert. Remember, he was persecuting the Christians at the beginning because he felt like they were going against Judaism, right? So he's like, hey, that he was really super Jewish. And now he's seen and met and the Lord, and he is super open to everything. He's teaching the Gentiles. And yet there's still this division or a difference on those that used to be Jewish and those that are something else. And so I think 
you see what Paul's trying to do is show that the Gentile church is part of the Jerusalem church and vice versa, that there's this unity together between all the churches. And so it isn't just, there are a couple of elements here, right? It isn't just that they're helping those, the charity that they're giving. It's the unity that the church gives. Hey, we are saints just like you in Jerusalem. We might not be Jewish and we might come from different backgrounds, but we also are Christian and we've also been changed. And that's the next point that he's gonna make. An evidence of you being changed is the way you conduct yourself and the way that you act. Remember when they asked the same, he writes in the first couple chapters for a letter of recommendation. He says, you're my letter of recommendation. The way you act and how you are is my letter of recommendation. And so he's gonna lightly chastise them here in eight about this gift. So let's go there and just read a couple of verses. So flip over to 2 Corinthians 8. Okay, I'm, just, I'm, uh, I'm gonna power through this and we'll read it together. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8. Moreover, brethren, we do, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded into riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they are willing of themselves. Who is he talking about? These are the Philippians. I love the Philippians. I always go back to them. You know, Lydia was kind of the, seems to be a big player there. Um, but the church in Philippi, super Roman town, um, they were really poor. And so he didn't even ask them to donate because he knew that they didn't have enough. And yet they, because they loved their brothers and sisters so much, they gave. And not only that, they gave a lot. So he's saying, you guys, these guys don't even have enough to give. You guys do, Corinthians, you have enough to give. I didn't even ask the Philippians to give. And they gave some and more because they're different because they're different. So let's keep reading. So remember, the Philippians have given, the Corinthians haven't, haven't, and he's contrasting that, right? Okay, so uh, where did I leave off? Um, Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of our ministering to the saints. Like they were like, please, Paul, take this money. And they did this not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he has begun, so he would also finish in the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, you guys have a lot, <laughs> in faith, in utterance, speaking skills, faith, in knowledge, diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I love that. It's a little manipulative, but I like it. Manipulative. He's like, well, you know, you guys are pretty awesome. You have all these things that you could probably donate to. And then he says in verse eight, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that through he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Oh, that is just such a culminating point. It isn't about money. It isn't about wealth. He's saying that in Christ, we have a lesson. That Christ, who was God, came down. He became, and he's using a, a metaphor, right, for riches, for um, uh, other kinds of wealth. It's a financial metaphor. But he says he came down and he became poor, right? Christ became poor. He suffered. He died. And that 
and that ye through his poverty might be rich, that through his atonement and sacrifice, we in our unrich states and in our poverty of sin and death make us great. Uh, by the way, my dog's design. Murphy would like to go out. Hold on. Let's uh, let the puppy out. Okay, let's read that verse again. I think it is a highlight. So go back to 8, 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That everything we give... Everything we are is from the Lord. And he is a perfect example. He was rich, he was God, and he came to earth and he died a terrible death of suffering so that us, those of us who have sin and death and everything on top of us can, we're poor in spirit, can be raised up and become rich. Get it? It's pretty cool. Pretty great stuff. So that's really how he's trying to convince them that, hey, the change that would be in their hearts, the change that would come upon us through the gospel, he's not seeing. And he's saying, this change that the Savior emulates is, an, I'm not quite seeing it in you. And I would have known that your hearts would have been changed because you would have had this gift ready. Look at the Philippians. <laughs> they didn't even have anything to give and they gave excessively. But all y'all here who have stuff, didn't save up. You didn't give. And it's not about the money. It's about how you are inside. It's about what you do. Remember, he started talking about uh, this, uh, we talked about in chapter three, this change of heart, right? To unveil their hearts. So he's still talking to them there. He continues on in chapter eight, writing about the same topic. He is saying, hey, um, so he's going to continue on, sorry, in eight, he's going to talk about this gift of generosity, and he's going to do the same thing, this forgotten generosity in nine. And nine is, you'll find, uh, it's probably the one verse you know, because it's the one that comes over and over again, that God, um, he says, verse seven, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. We, we quote that one a lot. I think there's a lot there. But I don't think it's mysterious. It's, it's profound, but it is something we're familiar with. So that's kind of eight and nine. That's where he goes there. Um, let's move on and do the last section really quickly. And that's as he moves on. He's gonna he's talked about the source of this conflict. The source of the conflict that's been happening are these, uh, ironically, he calls them super apostles. So a number of teachers have come, and they have promoted themselves. They have compared themselves to Paul. Additionally, he, uh, they've asked for a lot of money, so they, and they've paid him for it. So they're the ones that are kind of putting a seed of doubt into the saints and saying, well, you know, if Paul were richer, you know, you would, you would be able to tell that the Lord had blessed him if he wasn't so raggedy looking, and if he was more of a scholar, or if he was more like X, Y, Z. So they're saying, well, you should probably get a letter of recommendation from this guy, because he doesn't seem that great. So crazy to us, because we don't even know their names, but... Paul is obviously the apostle, and Paul is going to talk about his credentials, basically. And he, he's funny because he says, I'm not going to boast, and then he kind of rails on him. So he goes into, let's go over to 11, I made some notes in 11.5, um, where he's saying, hey, if you want to know about me, um, for I know, um, this is some of these where he's, he's a funny guy. 
he's um he's a guy who boasts without boasting right so a really interesting writing style but he's saying look these bozos these super apostles are just they'll compare themselves and he goes oh do you want to compare are they jewish bible experts remember we already said that he's a jewish bible expert he knows the old testament he's probably got it memorized right as a pharisee so he's like i was that and he says what about uh, knowledge of christ and he's like i have seen christ on his throne he has spoken to me so i i know that that's true and then he gives a quote that, uh, that you might hear this one. Sometimes I heard this in the mission field is a little bit anti-Mormon. Uh, anti but he says, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, uh, he's talking about someone coming and could potentially fool you, like these super apostles. And he says, for if he cometh, preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if he receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a wit behind the very chiefest apostle. And though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest to you in all things. So he's saying, hey, if these people come along and they're preaching something that isn't true to the gospel, it's not true. And I, I, I can tell you, I, I'm an apostle. But that verse where it was kind of like if they preach another Jesus. Um, I last semester I had to write a final paper in a theology school and it was uh, how to analyze the Bible class it was one that they require of everybody so it wasn't a particularly difficult class but you had to do a lot of analysis and and they show you different anal analytical techniques and things before you just go to a commentary um, some of them I've shared with you whether you realize or not they're obvious things but they're good to practice like look for common words look for themes read in context stuff like that and we actually had to write a commentary and you could do Philippians or Daniel, the first half of Daniel. And I love the Old Testament, so I chose Daniel. So we spent a lot of time over and over and over again for the entire semester adding to this commentary that you had to write. And you had to see the patterns and see if it was poetry and write whatever. And so every week I had a conference with the professor. His name was Ben, Dr. Turton. And uh, I would go through what I was learning and we would talk about it. And we always had these awesome discussions, by the way. We would just go off on, on the wind and talk about whatever. And then I would write some stuff about Daniel. And in my final, final paper, I wrote, it, it's like a gazillion pages, right? It's Daniel verse by verse. It's got, you've read commentaries, right? It's got these big chunks at the beginning about context and then the use of poetry, the timing, use of names, whatever it is, and then verse, literally verse by verse through six chapters. So it's a big piece of uh, work that I had to do over the semester. And at the very end, I, I don't ever know if anybody knows, I'm a member of the church, the, uh, the dean does and, and they do there, but I don't try to bring it up. I would love to bring it up, but you know, if you went to BYU and you were, you know, some other church, you'd kind of hate if someone threw it in your face all the time. So I try not to be that. I, I just try to do my thing and learn from them and, and bear my testimony when I can, but I try not to, you know, say a bunch or something or make it very obvious. And a lot of times it doesn't come up. I mean, why you just say what you say. So in this class, I've never said anything. And uh, at the very end of my paper, Dr. Turton Ben puts on it, like, my Jesus has been leading you. Jesus has been inspiring you. Because he wrote a big paragraph of how great it was and what a great student I was and how insightful and how many, how all this great um, discernment that I'd had and all these things. And then, oh, because my Jesus has been teaching you. 
And I had never heard that term. I mean, a cop, I had to read it a couple of times. Did he just say, my Jesus? And I think he's kind of using this, this verse. He's saying, for someone preaches another Jesus, he obviously knows I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ. And he says, that doesn't feel like the Jesus he knows. Except for everything that we talked about, which does seem like the Jesus he knows, right? Get the irony there? I guess my point is, sometimes we're not so much different from our other brothers and sisters in Christianity. I've certainly found that to be true in my classes. There are some big differences, but we actually have more, more, way more alike than we ever do different. And it made me a little bit sad that he was thinking, oh, you're, you're worshiping another Jesus, but great job on all your really spiritual insights. I don't know, that was it. There's a, my friends call it Jesus school. So there's your Jesus school story. But I, it does stand out that I oddly have a story just about that this week, that uh, sometimes people will say, hey, you sound different than us. I do find that the gospel of Jesus Christ changes us. I find that it changes me. Doing the Come Follow Me this year has really, really changed me. I spent a lot of time in the scriptures. I thought I did before, but to spend as much as we do to do the podcast, to teach, to do classes, uh, to teach um, in my ward and at the old folks home as well. I've really spent way more time than I have and I've loved it. And it just changes me. It unveils my heart. It changes who I am and I want to be better. I am happier. I am more patient. And so it's it's amazing. It's uh, It's great. So thanks for joining me on this journey as we delve into the scriptures more. Uh, please share with me what your thoughts are um, and let me know what you like, what you don't like about the podcast, because we'll continue on. We, uh, I do, oh, shout out, we had our first members from Uganda, Finland, and actually, but who's leading the way? Canada. Way to go, Canada. So uh, welcome, Uganda, Finland, and good old Canada bringing up number one. Um, so thank you, everybody in the world, for supporting the podcast. I have loved sharing it with you. And I hope that it will be a blessing. So just 2 Corinthians, remember to unveil your heart and remember the God of comfort who changes us, makes us um, rich in Jesus Christ. All right, that's it. We'll see you next time. And I think we're moving on to Galatians.